0: So let's go back, uh, if you've got a Bible in front of you, or it's on your phone, whatever, let's turn back to Hebrews chapter 10, to this great passage that we're going to try and fix in our minds over the next few weeks. We're going to think today especially uh, about the fact that this passage is telling us that when we come to God, it's got to be on his terms. We thought last time, before Bob was here, a week before that, about the privilege that we have to be called to draw near to God—the heart of the passage is, "Let us draw near to God." And we we wondered why we would want to, and perhaps already right answered that with the children, because uh, He is He is eternal life. Knowing Him is eternal life. Uh, he is the one who can give us peace, take away our sins, repair our relationships, restore us to us and bring us into his family forever why would we not want to and we, we thought about gazing on God we thought about just, just the fact that God himself is the most attractive, the most beautiful and the most wonderful um, person object of admiration that, that we could possibly encounter but if we want to come to God We're going to have to come a certain way. And that's what this passage is all about. And before we really get into the detail of that, I want us to really fix this in our minds. That when you come to God, you've got to come on His terms. And it shouldn't really surprise us, but we forget it very easily. But we all have our terms. You have your terms, and I have my terms. And terms and conditions are very important in our society and which one of us has not lied when we tick that box on the website that says I have read and understood the terms and conditions I mean I hope that's the only time in my life that I do lie but I do it because I don't think anyone really expected to way through 26 pages of legal documentation Um, but at the same time When we're doing business with that particular company, we have to do it on their terms and conditions. We're used to that. We're used to terms and conditions. We have our own terms and conditions. Like if I say to you at the end of the service, can I come and visit you on Tuesday, 3 o'clock in the morning, Will that be okay? And you say, absolutely not. Uh, Because you have terms and conditions and we might eventually sort of talk about it and it'll turn out that Tuesday's not suitable but Thursday evening's okay so if I come at 8 o'clock you'll be in and it'll be convenient for you and it's on your terms that I'm coming to visit you because we all have our terms and conditions about our lives and our homes just as everyone else has so we're completely used to the idea of terms and conditions it should surprise us then that God would have terms and conditions. This is something I think the world largely just seems to somehow forget and so we make up religions. Human beings have been great at that. Maybe great's not the word. Tragically successful at that uh, over history. Making up religion on man's terms we make it our way to approach God. Why would we think that that would be a good idea? Because we're dealing with God. And God is. By even definition. Let alone by reality. He is far far greater than us. Why when we come to God. Would we not have to come. On his terms. On his conditions. We we often say. and I'll refer to this a couple of times. In this message. The Lord's Prayer. And we finish it with the words yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory and what we're saying is Lord I am ticking the box of your terms and conditions in this prayer but maybe we don't often think of it in that way but it's your kingdom it's your power it's your glory and if I come to you God it's going to have to be on your terms or not at all but first of all, let's think about our terms. And let's uh, let's look at a passage. Oh, wait a minute. Let's just have a quick look at the, at the headings. This is where we're going this morning. Whose terms? That's what we've just done. Let's think about our terms. Let's think about God's terms. And let's think about what's at stake. So, we read from Hebrews 10, verses 8 and 9. And... Tells us a bit about our terms, first of all. That we want to come and even offer to God things that he doesn't want and that he isn't pleased with. Our sacrifices, our offerings, burnt offerings, sin offerings. Maybe that's not what we would do today, but that's what was happening before Jesus came. People were coming and God had actually given these instructions, but what had actually happened was, instead of people thinking, you know, this is, this is us doing what God wants us to do, uh, people began to think, we'll do this uh, our way. And, uh, so people were coming, and, and at other times, and in other ways, and in other religions, and all throughout history, we've been bringing our sacrifices. On our terms. Not God's turn, not the way He wants us to come, but on our terms. We can do it in the church, and we can make up ways of doing things in the church that seem very pious and very religious and very good. And you have to do it this way in our congregation. And down the road, it's different, and you have to do it that way in theirs. And this is how you, this is how you worship. This is how you come to God. Our terms, the way we like it. You know. Where we sit, where we you know what different rituals we go through, you know, what we sing, how we sing, all these things, and many, many more things. How we do our quiet private times with God, we can do it all in our terms. And then we can do it according to our will. Jesus here is coming to do God's will, but we we want to do our will. We want God to fit in, don't we? We would like God to fit in to our plans. To what we're doing on Sunday. To what we're doing throughout the week. and To what we want to do, even if we don't think he wants us to do it. And, and it goes on and on like that. It, and we, we do this, of course, we do it with, other pe- with people. You know, we want to do our thing and they get in the way. And we still go and do our thing, you know... This is the way we are. Our terms, we like things to be on our terms, we'll offer our sacrifices in our ways. But the church, when it gets together, prays like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. As it is in heaven. And in that we're actually coming together and we're saying, we don't want anything on our terms. We want it to be on your terms. But then, once we've said that prayer, we'll maybe add some prayers of our own. And then we start telling God what we want. You know, Lord, you know, this went wrong this week, fix it. Uh, I don't have this, I want it. Please you know, help me to get it. And, and so on. And we start telling God what we want and how we want things to be. Our returns. So this is actually what comes very, very uh, readily to you and to me. When I was preparing this, two stories were on the BBC News that that really struck me. In the first story, there was a woman who uh, was engaged to be married to another woman and she was wanting to start a church. Where she and her partner would be completely welcome and accepted, as they were, because they, she felt that they hadn't been welcomed in any of the churches that they'd gone to. So she wanted a church on her terms. Quite apart from all the issues there, her terms. And often people do that. You know, they'll come. They'll come to live in this area. And they go around the churches and none of them are on their terms. So they, they start with their own ones sometimes or they just don't go. Or we go to the cities. Which church do we go to there? The one we like best. Not necessarily the one that God's going to do the most good to us through our terms. In the other story, uh, there was a woman who was a minister in a church. And congregation wasn't doing so well. So she thought, what we need to do is open the building and have discos in it. That was her word, discos. And uh, this is how we're going to get people into the church. Our terms. Now we all have ideas ourselves about the church and how we want it to be on our terms. But what Hebrews 10 is saying is when we come to God it's about finding what he wants and that requires a completely different attitude of mind we need to come on his terms and they're not small terms they're not small like us we need to come on his terms so here is our passage that we're going to try, maybe you've already memorized it and uh, Let's say it through. But as we're saying it through, just think about the middle bit there. Let us draw near to God. On whose terms are we coming to God? So let's say it again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great priest. Over the house of God. Let us draw near to God. With a sincere heart. In full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled. To cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed. With pure water. And don't worry if you're reading that thing. I don't understand some of what's going on there. We're going to look at it. uh, Bit by bit next week. Hopefully we'll look at the light blue line in the middle there we have a great priest and so on, we'll go through the different parts of it and try and explain it and there it is, how do we draw near to God, well it's certainly not by anything that we've done it's certainly not doing it the way we would make up it's not doing it the way we would perhaps choose it's most certainly on God's terms so If you look at this passage, you'll see there are references here to the temple. There's the most holy place. Uh, So that was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was in the tabernacle in the Old Testament and in the temple in the Old Testament where the presence of God was to be found. And between that most holy place and the holy place there was the curtain. And the curtain's mentioned there as well. And uh, then there was the, the courtyard where the altar was and the sacrifices were made by the priests. And then there was the wider precincts of the temple. The house of God as it was called in those days. And that's in the middle there. The light blue bit. So this is a kind of using temple language to help us understand how we come to God. So if you try and think of that image and we imagine we're coming to God and he is there in that room the most holy place and we are coming to approach to him now maybe we don't think in that way but even today we're praying we're coming to approach to God think about it from your side what does it look like and you think well i, I come in this way I, I say these words I feel this way maybe I come because I'm you know I'm damaged and I want God to make me whole I've sinned and I want God to forgive me. Uh, maybe I come because I'm happy and I want to thank God. Maybe, you know, maybe I come because my next door neighbour has a problem and I want to ask God to help them in that problem. Uh, maybe I come because I'm angry and I want to give God a peace of their mind. Whatever it is, we come to God and we've got a certain way that we feel when we do it, a certain approach, and we kind of feel pretty confident about it. I guess most of the time, I know how to do this. I know what I'm doing. I've done it before and I'm not alone, and there's others in the church, and there's there's millions of us all over the world, and we're coming to God. But what does it look like from God's sight Turn the whole thing around. We can't really imagine how God views us. It's not just like 180 degrees, turn around, you know, he's seeing all these millions of people wanting to come to him the way that we look and use our eyes And I don't know how God sees exactly but he sees us he sees us coming and there's millions of people and he also sees lots of other people who are hoping they're coming and they've got their own religions and they've got their own ways of doing things and they're all coming and there's so many of them and they maybe think to themselves that they're pretty confident of getting to God because there's so many people doing the same thing so it must be right it must be right to, to go to Mecca, and there's millions of people on the pilgrimage. And, you know, this is this must be right, because there's so many of us. And then it must be right to come to God as one of the, whatever, hundred millions of gods of Hinduism. Because there's so many people in India who are practicing the same religion. It must be right. And God's looking at us all, and we're all trying to come to him. And some are coming through Christian rituals. They're, they're saying, well, I must be... They, they're saying to themselves, I go to church. I must be coming to God. And, you know, and people are coming in all kinds of ways, with all kinds of terms and conditions of their own. And God sees us all coming. And none of us has a clue what we're coming to. And just using the information in the Bible, Try and understand as much as we could possibly understand his viewpoint. He said, I made the universe. I sustain all things. I've given all life. And I am so much greater, so much more holy so much more overwhelmingly awesome and glorious than any of these people can begin to imagine. Reinforcing the point. He is. Absolutely. Absolutely awesome. And we're just coming ladies. No problem. And he's just, what do I do for these people? They have no idea what they're coming to. I am, this is used in the Bible, I am a consuming fire. They don't know what they're coming to. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. None of them. Not even the greatest among them who are Christians. None of them. And they can't come to me. Because if they come to me and they truly meet with me, they are so far short of my glory. They have all sinned, and they have all fallen short of my glory. Not only that, they are but creatures. They are but tiny and insignificant comparison comparison to my majesty, and my glory. They can't come. They think they can, but they can't. How can they ever come to me? But I want them to come. I love them. I have concern for them. I see them in their misery. And I see them in their need. And I see that they know that they can't face the future on their own. And I see that they know that they are but mortal. That they they are bounded in every way. And that they are failing. And that they are broken. I love them. How can I bring them to myself? They can't come as they are. I will provide for them the way. Whose terms and conditions, God says, "I will provide the way, and the way is through a priest. The way is through a sacrifice. They need me to provide them with a way. They don't know that. They don't think that. But they do. They will never come to me unless I provide. Unless I make them fit for my presence. Unless I make them holy as I am holy. And I will do that through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Once. And for all. My terms. My conditions. But. The only way. There is no other way. But my provision for them. In their love. So. People, day after day, they do their stuff. The priests. They stand and they perform their duties again and again. They make their sacrifices. But none of what we're doing is going to take away our sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his food store. Because... By one sacrifice, Jesus, of himself, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This is the way to God. This is the only way to God. And this is the way that God has provided. His terms, his conditions. But it has to be that way. It can't be any other way. David discovered this in the Old Testament put up a couple of verses there David said let's bring the ark of God up to Jerusalem the ark of God being the very symbol of the manifestation of God's presence and so he gathered Israel and they all went down to bring the ark of God up they put the ark in a cart and off they set for Jerusalem and the ark, the oxen stumbled, the ark wobbled Joseph out his hand and he touched the ark to stabilize it in his mind. And he dropped dead. And David was angry. And he was afraid. As it says up there. He was afraid. How can I ever bring the ark of God to me? David, it's got to be in God's terms. Maybe you didn't think about that when you went to do it. Your heart was keen and you were eager but whose terms so David asked around a bit and uh, consulted with people who knew about these things and they said you need a priest you need to do it with priests and so three months later they took the ark from where it had stopped and they took it the rest of the way under the care of the priests and it all went well David said, no one but the Levites. This was the new way. We need priests. We can't approach God on our terms. We can't do God and deal with God on our terms. The Lord chose the priests to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister His terms. And ever since, and before that too, we've had to learn and know this lesson deeply in our hearts. God on God's terms. So let's just close by thinking, well, what's at stake? What's at stake? Now, when we we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, your will be done. Um, We're saying, you know, it's got to be on God's terms. Your will be done. It's got to be in God's terms. But what if we don't do it that way? What if we try to approach God on our terms? Let us draw near to God, it says. What if we decide we'll just do it our way? We'll do church on our terms. We'll do prayer on our terms. We'll do religion on our terms. We'll kind of find something that works for us, that suits us. If we do that, are we really that far away from God? Is it really a problem? Or even if we don't bother to come to God at all. Just leave him alone and hope he'll leave us alone. Are we really that far away? Are we that far short of the mark? Is that really a problem? Now I think every one of you knows. Jesus had a lot to say about this. I need a lot of warnings about this. There's a parable Jesus told in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. It's a parable of the wedding banquet. For the king's son, let's give you a little taste of that parable. So the wedding banquet is taking place. The invites have been put out, and a lot of people didn't go. They didn't bother with Did the invite at all. Are they at the wedding banquet? Well, of course they're not, because they didn't. They were invited, but they didn't go. So if we just don't bother at all with God, we're never going to find God. We're never going to get to God. And that's, I guess, sadly, what many people in the world at the moment are attempting to achieve. Leave God out, never have anything to do with God. Well, it doesn't work that way. If you don't respond to God, you'll be away from God. And you'll never come to Him. And you'll never know His blessings but there's someone else in this parable and somehow or other he gets in but he doesn't come on the terms of um, weddings of those days when you had to have your wedding clothes he just turns up in his jeans and the king says to him how did you get in here without wedding clothes the man is speechless And the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that's a word. Even if you try to come to God, but you don't come on his terms. Jesus says, throw him outside. Jesus is the one from whose lips we hear the most warnings of this kind why because Jesus believed this Jesus believed that the terms that we in humanity need to come to God on are God's terms he really believed that in fact he believed it so much not only was he willing to say difficult things like this in warning, things people don't want to hear, because he loved them and he didn't want them to end up in the outer darkness. But Jesus was also prepared to give his life because of this. He knew that there were there were only there was only one way. That you and I could come to God. And that was through. A priest. A priest. With a perfect sacrifice. A perfect priest. With a perfect sacrifice. And up to Jesus time. No such thing had existed. Because it was all about Jesus. All the priests and the sacrifices before. Were saying. It's not done yet. We need to keep offering it. We need to keep having generation after generation of priests. Because we have never... We've not done the work. It's not been done yet. But there's someone coming who's going to finish priests and sacrifices forever. Because he'll be the right priest. He'll he'll come at the right time in the right way. And with the right attitude of heart. I have come to do your will, as we, read, as we read. I've come to do your terms and conditions. I've come to do it your way. He will come... And he will give his own life. He will give his perfect life and he will offer that life for us. He is the way, the truth and the life. Jesus believed this. He believed his own warnings because he knew that he himself was the only way that we could come to God and we have to come on his terms. We have to come through Jesus Christ but we can come through Jesus Christ. We can draw near to God. Brothers and sisters, we can have confidence to enter God's presence the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We do have a great priest over the house of God. And so, we can draw near to God, but it's His way, on His terms. But we can do it. We just need to come on His terms. And why would it be any different? Because you are not God. You're just a little human being. And He is God. Why would we not come? But He loves us. He's given us His Son to be our great priest, our great sacrifice. We can come, but it's through Jesus and so, we just come to God right now. And we can come to God at any time. We come to God and say, God, I'm, I'm coming to you, but I want to come to you in your way. I come to you through Jesus, whom you've, loved, you've given for me because you love me. I can come. You can come. You can say to your neighbor, you can come. You can say to the people you work with, to your family, to your friends, to the visitors, to the community, anyone you meet, you can come. You can come because God's given away. You don't have to make it up for yourself and it will work. You don't have to discover at the end of your life that all your religion is worthless. You can come through God's way. Through Jesus Christ. And you can come to God. And you can live with God. And you can be in the presence of God always. And you can know God. And you can rejoice in God. And you can delight in Him. And He can be your Father forever. You can come. And that's what I say to you this morning. So say it to myself. You can come. Don't not come. Don't miss. Don't try your own way. But just come through Jesus Christ. Because God's given him. For you.